0: John, what is a MOBA?
1: I'm going to confess that I'm more of an Overwatch fan when it comes to watching esports. But I do know what League of Legends is. I do know what Dota is. I I have a... And I'm vaguely familiar where they come from as a game. I mean, what kind of Warcraft 3 mod type thing that kind of spawned in. Yeah, there's a weird
0: lineage to Right? Like, Like, I've
1: heard the stories about how that happened. And I played the, the, the... progenitor of those so I, I've got an idea what it must be like even though I've never played them
0: before any of the kids who are playing them now existed we were playing <laughs> <Warcraft III. laughs> okay um, well uh, enough of us just kind of talking about how old we are at this point um, we are covering two games today and because this casual Friday format was just a good way for us to get together and talk about things so we have Sky now i'm going to say it wrong because i say it wrong every time sky tear i always want to say Definitely sky tear, tear. Okay. it's not tear okay it's 100% tear in my mind yes and then we have the other terror game of these monsters coming through gates in the sky torn asunder that being gates of delirium so we're going to cover both of those today and just kind of talk through and give our impressions so maybe we'll we'll start with sky tear here This isn't just like a box board game. Let's talk about what this thing is and how it relates to this whole MOBA thing we've been talking about.
1: Okay, so where, where do we want to start then? Because uh, I guess a brief overview of what a MOBA is and how this captures that is, is that the... For, for anyone who doesn't know, the, a MOBA is essentially where you have a collection of, of little minions who are generally kind of automated or maybe very simplistically controlled. They're going to charge the battlefield, typically trying to take out a couple of towers, you know, two, three towers of an enemies down these battle lanes. And when they knock out one of those towers, they're going to continue down that battle lane to the enemy's home port. You know, whatever it is, their castle, their what have you. Um, But uh, in the meantime, the players are actively controlling typically one or more hero characters that are are unique and have special powers. Um, Something like Dota and League of Legends, you know, you've got your one character that you pick. And and there's a whole big meta about who you play and, and... what powers they have and who is it good against and, and whatever.
0: And there, there's like leveling up progression or yeah. a sense of getting like stronger as Unlocking you go. Unlocking new powers. And so it becomes more climactic as you go and so initially there's kind of like skirmish struggles where there's Very less a, movement. A tug of war
1: too because of course you know you've got these heroes. The heroes and the minions are going to meet somewhere in the middle and there's going to be a push and pull as one side gains advantage and pushes past the enemy right, to right, the right. next thing.
0: Okay so that's what this game is. Sky Terror is tr- uh, one of many board games at this point that is trying to translate MOBAs into a board game format. And so it's a, it's not a real-time game. Space Cadets Dice Duel but with <laughs> a MOBA thing. It, hey, it could hucking work. Hucking dice at each other. But, but that's one of the interesting things is because I think of MOBAs as very much a skill-based type of video game where you need to be able to like, keep up with this this accelerated tempo of the game. I think
1: it's about managing multiple things and then triggering things at the right time and watching all yeah. these
0: cooldowns. Reaction time is so much part of what makes MOBA and the thrill of playing a, a MOBA game. Uh, and so that that's... Something that I, I don't know will ever be truly translated into a board game. And we can talk about that within the context of Sky Terror here in just a, a bit. But this game, this box, is not just a box board game. This is the beginning of a whole line of games where, or, or I guess content that's intended from the get go to be like a a actual hobby unto itself, right? Like, it has tournament rules like what what are some of the hooks in here
1: it's pretty ambitious honestly um right out the gate for a newer game and it it definitely has its sights set on being some kind of community it's going to have a community it's going to have a competitive scene a a meta an app that you can adjust that's going to adjust the value of certain things you know to, to vary the meta which is something you see in a MOBA it really wants to emulate that because that is one thing you know you have you have the, the the eight characters that come in this box, but then there's there's what is there there's sixteen more characters that you can buy. Right. Um. For there's the four different factions, each have a pack that has four more characters. Um, and and that's a thing that you get with MOBAs. You get you get uh, patches that'll update balance. Right. You'll right. have hundred potentially a 200 characters, however many it is. You'll have tons of these characters to choose from. Um. That'll change up how the match goes, and um, and yeah, even the rulebook mentions competitive, which. Considering that this was a Kickstarter game, I I have my doubts about how quickly that's going to get off the ground. It seems a little forced from the get-go, if I'm being honest. It feels like that's the kind of thing you want to grow organically.
0: Totally, totally. And and some of the biggest games out there didn't necessarily have the the sights set initially on becoming these organized play types of things. Then again, esports, you look at a new video game coming out and very much a game comes packaged knowing full well of what it wants it to eventually grow into. So maybe that's one more thing that's reflecting the the digital counterpart of it, is the intent from the get-go. We have systems in place that if we can grow this community, that this thing could uh, already sustain the, this type of play. But as for the game... Like, you and I have been playing hobby board games for a long time, and that's not necessarily how we approach board games at at this point in our lives. We both have a a long and storied history with um, competitive LCGs and CCGs and that kind of stuff, but... Typically, when we pick up a game, I, I think most people watching this channel as well are going to pick up a game and go like, this is what I'm going to play with my friends occasionally among all the other board games that I own. And so when you're actually looking at it from the context of that, you have the this... Uh, just single arena, or I guess a double-sided board for two different uh, modes of play with different lanes. Higher setup. player count, exactly. And you have eight hero characters broken into four different elements or colors. Four different factions, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what what's happening here is that you're assembling two of the factions together because you're going to need four heroes in order to play. Uh, as one entire side versus another. And so you're just mashing them together. I have my red faction with my green faction, and that's my dudes. Or the red and blue, or the yellow and green, or any combination therein. And then the other aspect of this game that's going on is there's also this big freaking like skeletal monster thing on the side. What's up with this dude?
1: So, so. If we go back to the, the core idea of the game is, you know, you look at like a League of Legends or a Dota and it's they they usually have the three battle lanes. Mm-hmm. And then at each battle lane, there's a control point, a tower somewhere in the center that you're trying to push past right. or or each team has control points rather. And so so this game does the same thing. It has a left and a right lane, each of which has towers, each of which you're going to play a tug of war over these control points in the center. And the more you push them forward, the more you're you're going to smash down the enemy tower. Getting to that, that home goal point uh, the nexus in this game. So in the center lane though, instead of instead of repeating that formula, in the center lane to vary it up is is a third lane that you can compete over, but instead that is the sky tear. And I'm not I didn't read the lore, so I'm not entirely sure why we're fighting over a big tear in the sky. <laughs> it has a monster in it. I I guess we control the monster. Because monsters. we're fighting right.
0: over the monster. He's so cool. Right, right. So
1: so I guess we're fight it seems like a thing to avoid, but um, but but basically you're, that's exactly what you're gonna do. You're gonna if you gain control of that, you gain control of the monster that's in this sky tower, the sky Tear, the outsider, and so this guy is just gonna wreck face as soon as he comes out on the board. Um, so you can neglect one of your other lanes to then take this one and just wreck face with the monster at that point.
0: Yeah, and aside from that, the 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 rhythm of the game is pretty straightforward. You got five rounds uh, there. The victory condition is either that you are able to push in and do enough damage to someone's home base, which has to come after this tug-of-war happens on the left-hand side or the right-hand side. Uh, Your heroes can die by losing health through a variety of means, uh, but they respawn. And then there's also some uh, victory conditions, which are randomly set up. There's three alternate victory conditions uh, that are there. And then if no one has won by the end of the fifth round, there's like some tiebreakers. So the, the actual meat and potatoes of the game is just I take my turn with one of my heroes, and then you take your turn, both our heroes are exhausted, and we have to use each of our alive heroes throughout a round, and then we finish up the round. One of the things that immediately like, w- was noticeable for both of us was the arc of, uh, I guess, resource uh, as the game progressed, because like it reflects the the, the round level, right? It, it's one to one,
1: right? So so your hand, you aside from the basic actions you can take with each hero, and you're going to activate each hero in turn. So there's you know figure there's about four turns per player in a round, um, but at any point in the round, you could be playing these spells from your hand or these uh, these cards that do. Um, t- they're, they're temporary things typically, and you can play them as reactions or actions. The the mana that you use to spend, or that, that you can spend to use these cards, is based on what round it is. So there, there is an escalation, which I gotta say, like this was a small curve and f- as far as escalation goes. But I do like when that mechanic's implemented in a game, a gradual... You see it with like Magic the Gathering, you know, as you're putting more lands out, you get more spectacular effects. But in a game like that, it's unpredictable.
0: I I guess, you know, we, we have a broad structure here. And to just hop right into opinions on the game, that was one of the things that I thought was the coolest structurally. But one thing that I continually felt as we were playing it is that a lot of the cards that were in my hand didn't feel particularly useful. There were some that were like, oh man, this is so good, but other cards in my hand, because I had so few resources, I mean, in round two, I, I have two resources to spend, and a card may cost two or more resources to use. And I was like, ah. the, the choice of a good card in my hand at this point is obvious, uh, and the, the abilities uh, didn't really always feel like it, it was tactical or useful i mean did you find that at all in the game so so i guess my
1: general takeaway on the game was that there there was a lot going on that i did like but there was also a few things going on that i felt like it was maybe doing too much Mm -hmm. the the card play i thought well you know you could have a, a game like this and and you could lump I'm going to go on a tangent briefly and just say that, that this <laughs> that's game... That's what
0: we, this show is who, for. <laughs> that, that's our job
1: here. 90% tangent. Um, but but you could call this game a MOBA, but really, at its heart, what a MOBA in this format was is it's a skirmish game. It's a small-scale skirmish game. It's not right. an epic war game, you know, Axis and Allies, but it's a it's a small, like, uh, battle lore kind of game. Yeah. Um, which is great. I like those, and it's always hard to find really good implementations of that. And so the things it did in a, in a skirmish setting were pretty solid. I liked a lot of what it did. But then it tacked on this card mechanic that I felt like you could have an entire skirmish game that had a hand of cards that was a robust game really focusing on the cards. And this one just kind of had the cards. The cards served other purposes, but they didn't often conflict with the playing of them, if that makes sense. like Right, right. You could play the cards to boost some of the other aspects of what you were doing, and it meant sacrificing things in your hand, but never to a degree where I felt like, well, man, my hand is just empty because I've done all this, and now I can't do this.
0: One of the reasons why I wanted to play it with you is because I know that this is a a type of game that you are really keen on i mean you like skirmish games you're the guy who's like i want to play mage wars let's play mage wars and i'm like i don't really want to play mage wars but you know we we've played plenty of aggressive skirmish head-to-head games uh in the past and this is one that i wanted to not just have my perspective on but also yours so you know it even if it had a little too much going on you know, what were some of your takeaways of like things that you really enjoyed about it?
1: Let's start the baseline positive. It really did capture the spirit of the things. I yeah. was I was respawning characters, like it's a video game. I, I felt like there was a cooldown on some of my characters if they died at a certain time, they were gonna come back, and I'm just counting the turns.
0: This is the third MOBA implementation uh, in board games that I have played. I played uh, Battle for Baternia. I've played ATK, which I don't know that ATK actually ever came out, but I played it in a prototype form at um, at a board game convention. Uh, and then I played this at this point, and this is the one that felt truest not just to the presentation uh you know going through the motions of like interpreting a moba but actually kind of having that three-way push and pull and, and trying to account for so many different things at once it didn't have that that uh that tempo aspect you know the the frantic ability to react to everything but the, the kind of scope and the the pressure that you're under totally felt like it, it was the truest to the the digital form that I'd seen yet.
1: It was, and it, and it really did have that. I mean, as much as you can with a, a turn-based thing, where you're gonna, you're gonna you know, you got to capture some of the tension, but it's not the live-action part of it. Well, the tension I felt was, you know, feeling that enjoyment of watching my minions pilot behind one of the control points and just push it towards your base, as I was sacrificing. You know, uh, progress on the other ones, and and deciding do I respawn my guys to slow you down? Do I just steamroll ahead? Right. A lot of that was a lot of fun to to engage with. I like the combat system, which is always a plus. Yeah. Uh, a pseudo random combat system, kind of in the same. I've seen a number of games do like the Gloomhaven, where you've got a certain amount of damage plus a modifier. Um, I gotta say, that's better than pure dice or pure you know, statistics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I thought the, the combat was reliable with a a little unknown element, which gave some suspense to the game and unpredictability. So that way you weren't always guaranteed. You had, you had moments where you're like, do I take the risk? Because this could be an excellent play. If I get the right card, which most likely I'm going to get the right card. Uh, And you can kind of play with probabilities in your mind. And it's not just random chance entirely. Um, I loved the, the moment of playing with the big, chunky monster who just comes into play at the end of the round if you were the one to capture the middle point, and that guy feels devastating when he comes onto the board. Oh, the
1: first turn, I brought him out, yeah. and I just, I, you, you felt so good about yourself basically making all the progress on one and watching me make zero progress on the other lane until I took that middle one as the last one to evaluate, and I just was like, nope, three or four of your guys are going to drop off
0: right I mean the the presentation is really nice the the miniatures the artwork uh, they both are totally. Uh, what you'd expect out of a, a bigger Kickstarter game at this point um, feels well produced. Uh, the the miniature sculpts are really cool. A detail you noticed when we were playing was that the bases have texture. Like, I didn't notice that until you pointed it out. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually really cool. It's not just a flat base.
1: I mean, I'm not the, at that tier of, like, miniature painting or anything where I'm going to base my own minis. where you, Right, right. You know, <laughs> or texture them or anything like that. So for, for the guy who is an out-of-the-box miniature user who occasionally paints... Some just for fun, um, and never gets that serious. It's kind of nice to see, you know, the standard flat base have some have some texture.
0: The the other thing that I thought was really good about the game is the 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 fact that you're bringing in these different victory conditions, like. Having that sort of variety and versatility, like it gives you different strategic approaches. It gives you kind of like a Hail Mary to go for if you're kind of losing in the struggle amongst the different um, capture points on the board. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's like board game 101 at this point in 2020 to have uh, variable victory conditions or, you know, some sort of avenue that gives replay value. So I, I thought that was great.
1: Well, and, and that bears mentioning that that also lends the, the conciseness of the game some some uh, success too because if you can't it's not this endless push and pull if it's a tie game or anything like that there's both a round counter right. where you end and there's these alternate victory conditions which very much will keep it fresh because the objective may not always be a simple I'm going to steamroll to this point it may be uh, I lose entirely if I don't watch this side
0: what, what was your pervasive feelings coming out of the game like did you feel like eh, I really dig this or you know, like, did something hold you back? Because I feel like we were both kind of like, that was. It sounds very positive pretty for what I
1: think our real reactions might really be. Um, I, yeah. So here's the thing: I liked the gameplay overall. I think even with the complaint about the cards, you know, maybe not being as robust or maybe just being added on or, or not that right. relevant, I think everything else was was pretty solid about the game, um, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. But I do feel like it could have benefited maybe from some of the strategy I've seen in some of the other bigger companies out there right now where they're seeing that games like, well, you mentioned Mage Wars. If we could just have a brief aside and say, you know, I grew up playing Magic. You know, from 1995 on, I played Magic for like 15 years, and that that was a hobby in and of itself. Totally. Hundreds and thousands of dollars and boxes of cards. And then I got into tabletop board gaming as a broader hobby, and now I have 100 games on a shelf or 200 games on a shelf. And this game, if it were to be in my collection, would be one of many games. And, and I have that problem with something like, like the Mage Wars, which I also got into pretty heavily, is that I just can't... In something that requires me to build an army and invest in variety, I can't afford that kind of commitment in my hobbies. And I think the market for gamers who can is a lot smaller than the market for gamers who want an experience that they can open a box and just play.
0: I totally agree. I, I think that... like. If you are someone who is really in love with either League of Legends or Dota or uh, the, the Blizzard one that's not coming to mind. Uh, Heroes right. of the Storm. Heroes of the Storm. There we go. See, you're up on this lingo. You know you know what's up with your Blizzard games. Um, so if you're way into these and you're looking for a MOBA board game, then this is probably going to be the, the best thing that you can get at this point. And the presentation is good. Like, it, it it's... Overall, a pretty good game. Uh, to me, I wish that it were less focused on being uh, this this long, drawn out experience that you're going to have to invest in. You're going to have to dedicate your time completely to, and then you're going to have to get all these add ons. Like I, I hated that there were hints of added versatility to the game that weren't even in the starter kit, like the the big axiom dude you know the guy who comes from the 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 center who do you plop on the board
1: yeah the big outsider guy yeah yeah
0: they they talk about that structurally as whichever one that you have is going to come into play well in the the base game that's the only one that you have same thing with uh whoever plays uh second uh ends up having like some special power that they can activate once per game well you only have one of those in the box but
1: it's modular it's not printed on the board exactly it's a card so you you definitely think you can get more of those
0: yeah and i wish that there was more complete versatility out of the box like i don't mind that there's going to be other stuff out there, I don't mind when there's an LCG that's going to have more content that I'm never going to invest in. I just wish that the base game itself had a little bit of variety in each of the modular parts.
1: And I know this is casual Friday, not super hyper analytical <laughs> Friday, but I, I mean, just, just it can be both, yeah, right. See, casually analyzing this way, way to the extreme. Um, I you know, I think if you look at some of the game companies, I I've fallen in love with Marvel Champions recently. And if you look at that compared to Fantasy Flight's other big co-op LCG Arkham Horror, there's a notable difference in that Arkham Horror demands a certain amount of deck building. Yeah, the corset you can play right out of the box. But after that, once you start investing in it, you have a pool of cards that you want to build on. Right. And that requires investing and understanding and knowing and and collecting these cards. Uh, Same with Magic and Mage Wars. Totally. But Magic has such a body, has such an audience, it can afford to be that special. Whereas these other games are competing with the narrower and narrower niches. And so look at what they did with Champions. Every hero out of the box is completely playable. Every pack you buy is completely playable as it is and fairly well balanced. I mean, you could improve it, but the point being, the idea is I can can go on any given day of the week and I can go, I pick Hero A, I mix it with Stack B, and I add in the basic cards C, boom, I've got a deck I can play with. I don't have to to spend an hour planning. Right, this right. game actually demanded that you spend probably as much time planning and drafting the heroes and building their power deck if right. you had enough heroes to draft and had the power decks to modify. Totally. With more than the starter box. And I just think it really lost... It, it missed out on a bigger audience by just, I pick a hero and this hero totally. has a deck they come with. These 10 cards, that's it.
0: Well, the... I I guess the the takeaway on this for both of us is that these are me problems, or I guess us problems, uh, in that the game is doing structurally things, meta things, outside of the game itself that aren't necessarily appealing to us. But, you know, if you are looking for a, a MOBA game... Um, or just a skirmish game that does something different that you may not have seen in existing board game titles out there, then I think this delivers on that. You just kind of got to know what you're getting into. And if you're okay with the structure of the game being that either you get this one box... And it's going to feel a little bit limited i mean you still have variety in the combination of heroes the heroes have a more advanced side and a more straightforward side there's going to be the different victory conditions that are going to change up how a game plays uh, but you're still going to have those noticeable lack of of modular elements that would come with expandable content if you're okay with it either being that or something that you're going to invest heavily in then I think this totally does the job. So we're through Sky Tear. Right. Sky Tear. And, yeah.
1: and we've already come to the conclusion that this casual Friday is just going to be long-winded.
0: Yeah, we, and we've already committed to two reviews in one. When we're talking double feature, you know, it's just like going to a movie and being like, oh, geez, I didn't really think about how much I was committing to by seeing two movies back-to-back. Back. Right. So... Uh, gates of delirium the this little tiny game like the this little interesting euro area control lovecraftian game
1: if we're being honest we're being blunt and very straightforward about it it, it, take it to ride okay but with cthulhu
0: yeah maybe a little bit of ethnos in there
1: yeah, definitely more ethnos DNA in it. Um, I, I just I would go to take it to ride because that's like saying Catan. Like everybody's gonna know what you mean more or less. It means set collection. This is at its heart set collection. There's some area control totally that is driven or drives the set collection. But at the end of the day, you are trying to collect either um, you know map pieces or forgotten text or the gate cards, and and let's cut to the chase and say the best thing about this game is the graphic design for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, the angles. The
1: the <laughs> I, I don't even know if it's just graphic design. What's the word for it? But. The, the, the way the gate cards stack together That as you lay them on the table You lay them at an angle to form the gate
0: Yeah I actually think That this is something that that Tapped into the the More intrinsic nature of Lovecraftian uh, Mythos like you know the, the, There's always an aspect of it That like the, the very fabric Of our reality Has some eldritch properties Woven into it and to have uh, like geometric aspects the the angles of the cards being different such that uh, a set of four is going to complete the circle and a slightly different angle is going to be a set of five and a set of seven like that is purely a graphic design yeah, aspect of the game of cards. but that is a glorious way of representing some sort of thematic property uh that that i would have never thought of and it works so well
1: well and then let's talk about the other sets you could collect you can also complete maps one or more maps to what i can't remember if they were to lost areas or whatever they were but each map had four pieces northeast southeast uh, northwest southwest and you stack them all together and you've got a complete map you don't just make a pile of cards and turn in a set one through four you've got a map right your your uh your lost manuscripts you yeah. know you would collect numbers 1 through 20 and try to get a string of as many as you could yeah, together yeah. and you could read them off the weird poetry on there like it's the king in yellow and
0: yeah and that, that that's what's so cool is that you know the maps themselves are going to be uniform in that it's you know the the different areas yeah. quadrants it's the same map every time but the the poetry the incantation is one through 20 and those are unique cards that there's only 20 of them in the game and you get more points if you string them together so you know if you have entry six it's only going to be so many points if you don't also have uh five or seven uh, so once again it's doing something that's very mechanical having the the sequential numbers but there's also a thematic aspect to why that would be more powerful, too, is because you're linking together verses from an overall scripture, which is a really cool element. But, like, fundamentally, I think we should—before getting into the, like, set collection thing, like, when you when you sit down at the board, there's regions that are, I assume, going to be, like— northeast united states you know like arkham-esque area new england um yeah, I, I don't I remember I don't what the exactly. regions were now the colored regions they green were... white purple <laughs> i'll
1: say this the, the board was a little underwhelming at first um almost kind of like like the ethnos board where it's not that Anything. It's Okay, it's a landmass. It's divided. Great. It, it's it serves its purpose. Yeah. It's a
0: Euro map. And then you're going to be putting your your unique sculpted uh, little... Uh, Meeples. Yeah, your cultists yeah. Uh, out on the board or investigators. They were
1: investigators. Now, right. I, I'm a little vague on the theme. I'm not sure because sometimes it seemed like we were doing the crazy person thing. Like yeah. we're trying
0: to summon the other Gods. Sometimes we weren't. But that's another element and probably the, the big gimmick of the game. So, yes, it's a set collection game. And, yes, there is an area control element of when the portals in particular one of the sets that you can collect uh, when it's fully collected then you're going to register points at uh, whatever the corresponding region is an elder god has been summoned there and then based on the investigators that are there players get points and then you remove everything from there because presumably Ashoggoth ate it. You know, whatever. <laughs> Elder stuff.
1: Muncher. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Elder
0: Muncher. There we go. Um, but the the gimmick of the game uh, that kind of sets it apart from other things is that the cards that you play in your hand are double-sided, so you can flip them upside down. They have two panels, and one is for a sane turn or a sane round, and one's for an insane round. Is that yeah. the terminology that they yeah. use? and so if you are the first person on a round you have this big honking token that you're going to flip over and and declare whether it's a sane round or an insane round and that's going to determine the orientation of cards that you can play and that's also going to be the type of sets that you're collecting so on sane rounds you're putting out investigators and you're also uh, going to be uh, getting the maps, and you're getting the... The little the, collectibles. Yeah, yeah. You're
1: getting your collectibles is what and, I and call the
0: runes, <laughs> the runes, which are like the, I don't know what else to do, so I'm just going to get a bunch of these there. I've
1: got no better actions on my turn. <laughs> That's what I felt like they were, yeah. Yeah,
0: and then the insane rounds, which is swapping around investigators. Like, you can manipulate the board at that point, not just add things to it. And then getting the very ticket to ride, like, I need six blues what are six blues well it's an elder one of some sort but Really, it just boils down to I'm getting six blues or five pinks or whatever it is.
1: Core Mechanic reminded me a lot of like Ragnarok in Blood Rage. The goal yeah. of the game, if you could sum it up in a few words, is there's these other things happening with these collectibles. And and really, those can be a lot of points, but a lot of times those are also sort of a side mechanic that you're trying to do while you're doing the main thing. Totally. The main thing is you want to get investigators into regions. Then you want to blow those regions up <laughs> Ragnarok style with an Elder Gate of blue. Or green, or what have you.
0: <laughs> it just occurred to me that the color out of space might have just been blue. <laughs>
1: And just so we're clear that what I'm picturing coming through these gates is the uh, the Langoliers from that old, like, yes! the terrible CG Langoliers. Langoliers that look like Pac-Man monsters. Those um. are Elder Munchers. <laughs> so, so, so that's the gist of the game is that you're, you're trying to establish presence, area control style, but then you're also trying to blow up that presence by collecting the gates for that. So everybody can, you telegraph your moves tremendously. I'm putting investigators here and I also happen to be collecting the gate that matches that territory. Gosh, right. I guess you should probably put investigators there too. Or, snipe those gates for me. And it's very Ticket to Ride and how it lays out four gates to choose from. Or you mm-hmm. can take a, a one off the top of the deck. And, you know, so it's, it's very much got the classic set collection. Right. You know, but what I think one of the mechanics that you mentioned that I really liked was that what I do on my turn is totally driven by what the first player chose this turn to be. Any game where I have the same hand of cards that could be played in three different ways is is going to get my interest a little more than one that doesn't. And so right. the fact that I, I have these cards that maybe some of the effects are better on the insane side, but this is a sane round and I have to do something. Right, right. So do I really want to play this card on a sane round when the insane action is so good? If I don't, my same turn might be kind of a waste, too, though.
0: Right. And, and, you know, one of the coolest things about the game to me uh, was that as you're playing cards, there are some cards that are going to be less powerful versions of the actions that you can take. But you also get this resource that's like a commodity that you can spend for bonus actions on your turn. And the the bonus actions uh, are more escalating in power the more that you spend, uh, but they can do some really tricky things, like switching, I want to say one is switching it from a sane round to an insane round, which can have very, very big ramifications. Nice little
1: manipulations of of the basic systems, yeah.
0: Right, so you have this fixed, like I have the set things that I can do, Uh, But if I really need to to play them in a certain way or have the ability to do something different or to have different cards in my hand, I have a few ways that I can manipulate that with this very precious resource. And sometimes you'll want to bank on the flexibility that those resources give you so you play less powerful cards in order to accrue more of those resources, which I, I thought was just a really elegant... I guess, set of choices for you to to have to play around with because the game itself is overall pretty straightforward. Like, it's not a complex game by any means. It's very approachable. Uh, I think it's very easy to understand the, the gimmick mechanism. Uh, and as soon as you played, like, two rounds, you're like, I got it. I, I know what this game is. Which
1: could be considered a benefit, but may also have negative consequences for replayability, like long-term.
0: Right, right. Uh, but I, I think that strategically it gives you enough hooks and, and ways of interacting with the game that it, there are some interesting things there. As far as replayability, there, there's a system for adding... Uh, different, like, uh, variable world uh, effects. I, I think of uh, enchant worlds in Magic. You know, how good were enchant worlds. <laughs>
1: that, that tells you how old of a Magic player you must be <laughs> if you could still enchant worlds something. <laughs> There was a sequence of the elder gods that you would summon, so you'd open gate number one. Nothing major happened. Gate number two though might trigger one of these cards to come out that would modify some small aspect of the game, but enough to make some sort of your some choices weigh a little more or less.
0: Yeah, either end game scoring or some sort of like in game property that'll affect. Yeah, like away. a
1: break the rules kind of thing. Like now you can, when you place investigators, you can also on sane rounds do this or insane rounds do that kind of thing.
0: Right. So, what was your takeaway after playing?
1: So, so I may be forcing thematic a little bit too much here and say that I'll take the insane review on this. Um, if Sanity is pure mechanical analytic, is this a good game? I'll let you deal with that. I'm just going to take the insane choice and say, you know, from, a, from an emotional, passionate standpoint, how did I react to the game? I really enjoyed. It did something that, that sometimes you really just want a game to do, which is feel good playing with the, the toys. And I liked making my little gates. I liked building my stack of cards and I like you know to, to form the poet, the dark poetry and I liked building my maps strategically there were other there are a lot of good things I liked about it but those were things that I walked away from thinking you know if I wanted to own one set collection game I might pick this just because it differentiates itself on some of those things rather well
0: right right I there are a few things I really like about it one is it felt very out of the box for what Lovecraft inspired games are like usually they' are these big broad adventure games uh, or they're going to be little tiny jokey games and this <laughs> Is a completely different approach to it, but it doesn't feel like a pasted-on theme. Like all the things I just mentioned, are are ways in which the these like eerie and you know fun silly Lovecraftian things have been integrated into this easy, approachable area-controlled set collection game. Uh, in smart ways, like there, there are things that are like, oh, dude, I am making this portal and it's the cards going around in a circle or it's, you know, I'm gathering the incantation or all the different runes that I'm collecting or the insane turn versus sane turns like the, there's enough integration between the mechanics and theme that it feels Like, it's delivering on the Lovecraftian promise of it, which I think is cool. Uh, It feels uh, very counter to a lot of Lovecraftian games out there. Uh, And also, I, I think that for the weight of game that it is, this does have a lot of options for things that you can do in your turn. And like I said, that resource that lets you interact with it. Like... I was kind of surprised by how cool of a game it was.
1: Yeah, I was a little underwhelmed at first by just the presentation. The very It's a fairly small presence on the table. The board is kind of bland. You know, I mean, as compared to like it really was just a functional map in a lot of ways, and so yeah, I was abs- and it's it's a score track and a map, and so I was kind of like, Well, eh, what am I getting into here? But it gave you a lot more choices than just a couple of cards in your hand would have otherwise given you, right? Right, you know, it kind of multiplied the number of choices you have, so I, I think it gave you more for a lighter, middleweight game that it is.
0: Yeah, uh, the the only things that I have to say that are bad about it is I think that there is going to be some limited replay value, like you talked about earlier. I mean, if it's a game that you break out every couple of months or you know even once a month or something, like it, it's a cool little game. Or you know, if you're looking for something that you can you know knock out in forty five minutes, um, it it is something that is totally fine for that but you're not going to get a huge amount of variety this isn't Cthulhu Wars
1: it's (laughs) one I wouldn't break out all the time because it's not going to be rich and varied every single time but it's simple enough that I think you could afford to break it out less often and still fully understand it every time you break it out.
0: The other thing is squared-cornered cards. Like it is inexcusable, <laughs> and I will not tolerate it uh, in in like future productions here. Like this is where I am drawing the line. Like this game has to be the last <laughs> square cornered card hobby game. Uh, this was so surprising to find a game that didn't round its corners, which, you know, uh, of course, the reason why you round corners is because they they don't catch on things, and it doesn't mush up. And as someone who doesn't sleeve their they cards... They get
1: the dog-eared corners. Yeah, yeah, I don't
0: want the mush corners, you know? I have a kid in my house. If he, like, touches... If he even looks at this, like, all the corners are going to be mushed up. I know it. Uh, so, the you know that was a really weird choice and is something that immediately stuck out to me and i couldn't help but think of every time i was touching one of those cards
1: and the gate cards being square it didn't bother me because those were functional and i was never going to sleeve those anyway they're weird shaped
0: yeah yeah okay you know? Cool. Well, that's uh, two games down and uh, a very long winded conversation because we love talking about board games. So if you want to see more of this and you want to have uh, John and I talk about games, if there's topics that you want us to cover, uh, if you want to see more reviews or more top ten lists or anything like that, then just let us know in the comments below. Uh, If you want this longer format or if you want shorter, more concise stuff, we'll take it into consideration
1: <laughs> could we be snappier and, and faster probably if you held our feet to the coals
0: yeah exactly all right well for now thanks for coming on to the show john thanks for having me yeah we are not concise <laughs> and now we're stuck with us because we in the you intro <laughs> yeah.
1: uh i think we need to mention that uh,
0: edit it around it yeah yeah